0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Football Die podcast. The season is just about to begin. It's just around the corner now. We've just had the Community Shield, the big curtain raiser for the season. And Arsenal lifted the the trophy, the Shield, whatever you want to call it, um, on a penalty shootout against Manchester City. So I'm with Dave today. We'll be talking about what that tells us about the coming season, what that that tells us about the two teams who are, let's face it, favourites to be challenging for the title this coming season. Uh, And if anything, what we can learn from, from the way the team's played and set up too. So following that, we've also got the Women's World Cup. England are through to the quarterfinals where they labelled to a penalty shootout win against a really dogged, resilient Nigeria team, but made really difficult work of it, uh, not least from a, a Lauren James red card, which ends her tournament. Uh, and also it was kind of Beckham-esque really, wasn't it? But on this occasion, didn't affect England's progress, thankfully. They're through by the skin of their teeth and we'll be we're talking about that, what they need to do in the next round and their chances going forward in the competition as well. Um, but yeah, with Dave today, how's it going, mate? How did you find the Community Shield? Entertaining? What did you make of it? I thought it was a, it was a decent game. I
1: thought the first half was not the best half of football I've ever seen. Yeah, um, But it was interesting to see, especially obviously some of the new players. Very strange to see Kovacic in a, in the in City shirt. Um... Yeah,
0: very. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's a few players there we're so used to seeing with different clubs. Obviously, Declan Rice started for Arsenal. Um, strange to see him outside of a West Ham shirt too. Um, Urien and Timber played at left back as well for Arsenal too. We were wondering mm-hmm. where he'd fit in. And I thought he gave a really good account of himself. And Kai Havertz played as a, a centre forward too. Uh, to a mixed reception really from from most neutrals. So we'll start with Arsenal actually. Um, they went behind in the game, a Cole Palmer goal, uh, really good goal actually. Well really well taken from him. And um, we'll talk about City and him as well in a moment. But they they led in and were in control for most of the the period of the game from then on, weren't they? Until Arsenal got a very fortunate deflected goal from <laughs> Leandro Trossard to get them right back into the game at the death really, having taken it to extra time. And they went to penalties and City missed, what, two or three of them, I think, and and Arsenal won 4-1, I think it was, in the end. So a really poor penalty shootout. But let's talk about Arsenal, Dave. What did you make of the three new players, first of all? How do you think they fit in? And is there any indication as to how Arsenal can expect to set up when we we kick off next week? Yeah,
1: first of all, I think uh, during Timber, Timber, um, I think it kind of showcases his versatility. We've already spoken about to see him at left-back. We've obviously been talking about him playing at full-back for a while and obviously he's played as centre-back at Ajax as well. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting seeing him starting there and I think maybe that's something that Arteta's tinkering with but it also doesn't uh, give a great deal of encouragement to obviously the likes of Kieran Tierney who's you know, been lacking minutes for, for the majority of last season at Arsenal. Um, but I, I think it was. It looked like a really effective setup. I thought they'd play really well. I think the first half, they probably had the better chances. Uh, you were talking about Kai Havertz, who um, had two excellent chances in that first half. to take yeah. one of them um, on another day he might do. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think the signings that they've made... I think the, the one questionable one for me is Kai Havertz. And I think there's a lot of Arsenal fans who are mm. unsure of whether he's gonna be the right player for them and he's gonna fit their system the way that they they want him to and obviously they need somebody in there who's gonna be clinical and whether he's the man for that job, you know, begs the question because I don't think he's gonna work in a midfield
0: for yeah. them. He's been hit and miss, hasn't he, for Chelsea anyway. And since he's been in England, he's not really enhanced his reputation. And they paid a lot of money for him, Arsenal. And I think we've been saying how much they're investing in versatility with players. And he definitely fits that mould. But without Gabriel Jesus there, is he really there? their main striker after that? He can't be really, can he? Because he's got the likes of Enketia on the bench. And he's a good squad player, but he's not somebody that's going to lead the line makes me wonder whether they're just best off bringing Balagoon back into the team and and giving him a chance because he played well in France, didn't he, last season? But Kai Havertz is a mystifying signing in some ways. I'm trying to see where he makes Arsenal better. And it's difficult after a game like that to see. But are we just jumping the gun? Are we reading too much into the community shield like we do every year and and kind of making conclusions? Or do you think he can find a niche somewhere in the Arsenal team?
1: I mean, if you go back of what we've seen in the last 18 months um, at Chelsea, you know, I think that's what we can go off of, really. And he's been mm. underwhelming, to say the least. Um So for Chelsea to rec- recoup the, the fee that they did was, frankly, for me, I was gobsmacked by that, to be honest. Um, Great business. But that's, you know, that's the position we're in at the minute with the market. Um, mm. You know, teams are paying over the odds for, for players. Clubs are actually um, gaining a lot of money back for players they've invested in. You could... For, for instance, the likes of Harry Maguire, you know, there's fees of 30, 40 million being bad. I think West Ham have just put a bit of 30 million in for him, which is ridiculous if you look at his form that he's, he's had over, you know, the last 12 months, 18 months. Um so, yeah, it's it's crazy to say, but I feel like Arsenal need some, a, a striker, more probably more of a target man than anything, just to give them something different. Because Jesus isn't the most clinical striker, He's not actually the best finisher around. They, they, they could do with somebody like an Olivier Giroud, which sounds yeah. crazy to say, but um, I do feel like they, they need a, a number nine.
0: Um, yeah, it's crazy, and, isn't it? Because they're playing the kind of football that City were renowned for, before Haaland got there, you know, they're playing the ball really well. Similar kind of formation, similar players out wide as well, but a false nine almost every game. And until Haaland was installed as City's like main striker and main threat, that seemed to be their only dimension, albeit they did it brilliantly. Arsenal do still play that system brilliantly without a number nine. But I think you're right. They're missing just a threat. I mean, the goal threat from Arsenal once they get into the final third Seems like it's going to come from distance, as opposed to a poacher's goal, doesn't it?
1: Well, I know the, the two easiest chances fell to you yeah. know Habits in that first half, um, and he wasn't able to put them away. And that I, thought, ugh, do you know what I mean, I think to be you need to be creating those sort of chances. For, you need a striker who's probably going to get three or four very good chances in a game to put yeah. one or two away. Um, and if you aren't doing that, then you know you are probably missing your easiest chances that you are going to get in a game. Yeah. So yeah, like you say, it, there wasn't a great deal of chances in this game. I mean, City obviously had that that good chance with Fode, and probably to seal it at the very end before Arsenal went on to, to score their equaliser. Um, you know, it was a great chance, and obviously couldn't put it away. But I feel like there's plenty more to come from these two teams. You know, that th- there is obviously new players settling in. Um, obviously, Declan Rice, uh, who you know he's he's looks like he's He's kind of fit straight in into the team, and he's he's looking the sort of player that we we know he is. Um, mm. So that's encouraging for Arsenal fans. But no doubt, it's you know there's plenty more to come. And uh, obviously, you know, City. I, I, I don't think there'll be the end of them for them uh, in the transfer market. I think they'll be looking to probably bring a couple more players, and particularly probably in those attacking areas. Mm. Obviously, with the outgoings of Zamora's.
0: On Declan Rice, actually, um, it was a difficult game to really judge him on, wasn't it, really? Because in midfield, it was quite scrappy considering the two teams and and their usual level. But I thought he held his own pretty well. I don't think he's fully fit yet. I think it's come out uh, recently today that um, he's only 70% fitness still um, and he's had a knock recently. So I think once we see him at his full capacity, we'll probably see how he fits in better. But you mentioned City as well, maybe signing a couple more players. It was interesting to see how they set up as well without Mares there, obviously without Gundogan as well. They had Kovacic in the middle, which again was strange. so strange to see. But everyone who's managed and played with with Kovacic has said what, you, what a useful, unique midfield player he is. Um, he's full of energy, pretty much like Gundogan was, but obviously Gundogan perfected the art of being a box-to-box. So how do you think he's going to settle into this team? Do you think he'll remain a starter? Do you think he has to rely on on him being a starter now? I think fundamentally
1: he's got all of the skills and the traits that you probably want for that sort of player in a, in a Pep Guardiola team. I think he's got the basics down to a T. He can you know, move the ball quickly. He's kind of hustles and harries when he needs to, which is, oh, for me, he's probably been Chelsea's best midfielder for the last, two or three years, I think, in terms of consistency. I think it's a great signing at £30 was it, or something like that? But uh, you know what you're going to get from him, and I think that's the main thing. He's going to give a 7 out of 10 majority most weeks. Um, So I I think it's a really savvy um, signing for me. I, I think it will do a good job, whether it's obviously going to come in and permanently replace Gundogan after two completely different players. Hmm. You know, Gund- Gundogan does offer a lot more going forward. Um, he obviously, he's got his goals that he's able to that He obviously chipped in throughout the season, some very important goals as well. Critical goals, yeah. Um, Rodri's also done that on a few occasions last year as well. True. Yeah. Um, so, it will take a while for them to kind of settle, I suppose, build a relationships and partnerships in, in those midfield areas. But I don't doubt that it'll take long for him to kind of fit into kind of Pep's, you know, philosophy and be able to pick up on these things quite easily.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because Mares isn't there anymore, to see whether he will actually put his faith in youth Pep Guardiola, because there are a couple of players there that have had a good preseason, especially, with Cole Palmer, the goal scorer, fresh off the twenty ones, played really well out there at the Auras, didn't he? and um, came off the bench and scored a really well-taken goal as well. So there are talk that maybe he will be the one that will replace Mares, and they'll give him more of a chance as he comes off the bench. And obviously, Phil Foden didn't really feature much last season as well. So I mm. kind of feel like Foden's a bit of a new signing almost, isn't he? He's got a point to prove that he deserves to to start for City as well. So is there any need for attacking players, do you think? Because they've lost a couple, but almost replaced them with youth. Very good youth. Um, which not many teams get to do, like for like, you know. There's always a real bedding in period, but Palmer's 21 now, I think, isn't he? Or uh, you know, he's yeah. coming up to that age where he should be starting. So it's now or never for City for him, really, isn't it? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk
1: about him going on loan. I think Leicester were actually interested in him. I think the talk came out that apparently City want to keep him and give him minutes. Um, so if he was able to get, like for instance, Riyad Mahrez minutes, I think that'd be doing a great deal of of good really, kinda of getting some exposure to the Premier League and, you know, the biggest competitions and you can't really ask for any more to be playing in those sort of competitions, especially at that age. You know, not a lot, not a lot of players are playing the best football at a, at a very young age like he probably will be. And he looks like a really good talent, you know, a great strike for the goal. Um I don't know whether I'm being a bit critical but I thought I um, I thought Ramsey's uh, Ramsdale, sorry, his positioning for the goal wasn't probably the best. I think it was too too far over to his near post, and it's not right in the corner. So I don't know where he potentially could have. But I know we ask so much of goalkeepers these days. We know with the the level of criticism is ridiculous, isn't it? But yeah. at the very top, you know, the these are the small margins that make a difference. And um, but you know, th- he's also a player that probably defenders don't know a lot about either um, and because for me I thought he was able to cut in on his left foot too easily um, yeah.
0: but I think as soon as he does that like you say you have to almost anticipate as a goalkeeper what he's going to do next and mm. I thought it was pretty clear what he was going to do because he had plenty of time to shape to shoot yeah. so you could see it coming but the technique let's take nothing away from it he lifted the ball so well from the off yeah. that it was always going higher than the goalkeeper could reach so fair play to Palmer really for it executing a- it so well it was the same with uh, the Trossard goal. It, mm. it, it, cut, it cut in on his left foot and no
1: one really closed him down. And by the time they did, he'd already taken the shot. And, you know, that obviously had the rubber of the green and it I think it took like two, two deflections. But um, I, I'll just put it down to, you know, early on. And obviously, we're in pre-season now. I think people are still building up their match fitness. I think it's difficult to to kind of defend. And obviously, with full concentration and being quick off the mark, you know, for the full ninety minutes or 100, 110 minutes, God knows what it's going to be. And uh, obviously, with the the new changes to injury time and whatnot, and obviously there's a lot of uh, talk on that at the minute. But um, I, I think it's encouraging to see. I think I thought it was quite a good game. Not very often you see um, you know entertaining Community Shield games, but I True. thought this was quite a good watch.
0: Well, it was the third. Is it the third Community Shield in a row that City have lost? Um, so the way their seasons have <laughs> panned out recently as well, I don't think you can read an awful amount into it, especially last season when they went on to win the treble. So yeah, a good, a good kind of gauge for both teams to see where they are. But I don't doubt these two teams are like the favourites for the title still. You know, the, the squads they've got, I, I can't see any teams running them close. And I include Manchester United in that as well, because they've grown in depth, Arsenal, haven't they, with the players they, they've signed and they haven't really shifted any any talent either. So... They've retained all their best players. City have swapped like for like almost. So even if they went into the season with the players they've got, promoting youth kind of almost makes up to, to a degree for the players they've lost. So it looks kind of daunting for the rest of the Premier League, really, because the gap almost feels like it's getting wider to winning the title. But for City, they've got Josco Gradiol as well on his way. Um, mm. As if their defence wasn't strong enough already, <laughs> they've put one of the best left-sided centre-backs, uh, only 21 as well, into their team too. Um, He's a fantastic signing. I think we put him down as one to watch after the uh, Qatar World Cup, didn't we? And with good reason. I think it sticks in my memory how he got turned by Lionel Messi, but I just feel like (laughs) anyone would have done that. You know, I don't think he was was caught out at all by that. I think that's just Messi being brilliant. But generally, he's been fantastic for Leipzig, especially this last 12 months. He's been the standout young defender in Europe. So he's going to be a really great solid addition for them, isn't he, as well?
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't think you can judge anybody um, from the fact they've been skinned by Lionel Messi. I think you know, there's a, there's a fair few raise the hand that that's happened to. But I, yeah, I think it's a good sign-in. And every time I've seen him play, he's looked the real deal. And that's the worrying thing. Really, is Man City have kind of bought a player in who could arguably pay for them. Well into his thirties for the next 10, 12, 13 years, um, and we've spoke about how they do this. So they obviously they see players coming to the end of the cycle, or they see a, a position that potentially needs strengthening, or they need new, another another face just to freshen things up a little bit. And that's exactly what they've done here. And yeah, I don't like like I've already said. I don't think it'll be the last transfer that they bring in. I th- they definitely need to bring something in. I think on those wing wing areas, Um still a lot of uncertainty. There's been uncertainty over Bernardo Silva for the last two years. You know, there's been rumours that he wanted to go to Barcelona. And he's still playing no, brilliantly.
0: Still proving oh, yeah. himself, you
1: know. Oh, he's a great player. You know, he, he would walk into any 11 in the in Premier League. Um, that's how good he is. But that's, the, you know, that's <laughs> what uh, Man City have. They have that. If you look at their bench, we say it most weeks that they can easily make two or three teams and probably beat most teams in the league. It's just the embarrassment yeah. um, embarrassment of riches that they have. But um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a great signing. He's great on the ball as well. He's he's a, he's able to kind of um, kind of keep that tempo that they and that acknowledge sort of these patterns of play that City like to play with. Um, I, I just think he's he's going to offer a lot to this team.
0: Yeah, I think the fee of €90 million Euros is the second most expensive for a defender now behind Harry Maguire, funnily enough. So uh, make the, make of that what you will. But I think his his age makes him a real investment, doesn't he, for, for City? And I think this City project, honestly, it's... They the culminated in a treble last season, and it feels like it's at the peak of the mountain now, doesn't it? And it feels like they can only build on that and try and evolve the team bit by bit, year on year and, you know, replace players that are coming to the end of a cycle with new players like they have been doing this season. And I think they've done that really smartly. And it pains me to say, because, you know, you want City to, to trip up and fall at some point, don't you, to give us a chance to catch up. But they've invested money so, so well in the academy. The products are coming through. All the players they're signing are quite targeted. They've made a few transfer mistakes, don't get me wrong. But how many of their academy players that didn't make it if they sold on to other teams for a big, big fee? A lot, isn't it? So the project and the model seems to be working so, so well. And I can't see that not continuing really unless they just get complacent and lose the hunger for after winning the treble. And with Guardiola as coach, I can't see that happening. I think the only way that City will ever drop off now is if and when he leaves. That's the only way. I think the intensity that they always bring and he always brings will change, don't you?
1: Yeah, of course. And obviously, who they replace him with will be imperative. But I don't doubt that they'll be able to seek out, you know, the top, the next big manager, kind of on the block. Really, um, I think the the great thing is about the Premier League at the minute is there's so many great managers coming in that are, you know, making it even more difficult. To be honest, I think this will be the most competitive year yet. But um, yeah, I, I think what they do is, as a club, particularly, even if players don't maybe make it into the first team or play, you know, say over 50 games, up to 50 games, there's not been many players that have actually been able to kind of become a mainstay in that City team, obviously the likes of Phone, Yeah, that's it's, true. These, these are the exceptions, but, you know, you have to be at the highest level to be able to play in the best teams, that's, that's a fact. Um but obviously you look at what they've done, that some of the players that have gone, obviously Lavia who's looks like he's gonna go for big money. Um there's yeah. rumors obviously in Liverpool interesting. Obviously he left last season. Um Bela Kochat, another great player. Um Carlos Borges, I think, has gone to Ajax for 18 yeah. 19 million. You know, that this is these are players that are going for big sums of money and it's it's you know, it's doing wonders for for them as a club on the financial side, mm.
0: but it shows that they're doing a great job in developing these young players as well. It's um, daunting for the rest of the Premier League, but um, next week is the Premier League's actual kickoff. So we'll make we'll see what the land, lay of the land is after the first game has been and gone. But uh, before then, we've still got the Women's World Cup that's happening alongside the start of the Premier League kickoff as well. And in the early hours of Monday morning, um, mm. England beat Nigeria on penalties in. A game that we didn't, I don't know, we did we expect it to go this way? We certainly didn't expect Nigeria to give England such a run for their money because 0-0 was not, it was quite flattering really on England, wasn't it? Still being in the game up until the point where Lauren James received a red card for violent conduct, for pretty much a stamp, wasn't it, on a Nigeria player? But up until that point anyway, Nigeria were kind of on top, weren't they? And it, they were so lucky to get through by the skin of their teeth. And I think once the red card appeared, it was a case of hanging on until penalties and uh, they were clinical with those and you kind of felt like it was on their side really, look was, once the penalties had, had, had come around because they are so good at taking them. But a laboured performance, Dave, and a real departure from that the euphoria of the, the China thrashing, wasn't it? We expected a little bit more from them and they didn't quite deliver, did they? How come? What happened?
1: It's something we've repeated a lot, haven't we, <laughs> over the last few weeks. After every game that goes by, we're kind of expecting England to... Kind of announce themselves finally. Obviously, the, they have shown in glimpses, you know, the team that they're what they're capable of. Um, but yeah, this was another game where they were really kind of thought and mm. the tactics that kind of uh, Nigeria employed were just, you know, it, it just kind of really nullified England's threat. It, particularly Lauren James in that midfield, who you know we really spoke about. Um, she had a night to forget overall, but yeah. I, th- I just feel as though Nigeria, particularly, they were able to force England's wing-backs back. Um, the, the thing I, d- I don't understand where, really, I, I don't know if they're trying to compensate probably their lack of um, bodies in defence that they're playing with this three at the back. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if it's kind of... Have a negative effect on England's attacking play because they're just struggling so. to score. They're struggling to score goals. That's the that's the main thing. Alessia mm-hmm. Russo is, you know, Missed looks really it. It. Yeah, is yeah, suffering from it for me as well. Um, I think Rachel Daly's probably looked like England's brightest player, and she's playing. She's been playing at left back yeah. for the, for, the, for the majority, you know, of the of the tournament. Um, but. I, oh, I just feel like they need to change something. I feel like they do need to go probably for a four at the back um, and bring another body into midfield, especially now Lauren James is probably out, you know, is is out for the rest of the tournament.
0: Yeah, sadly, Um, that's her tournament over. And I think the way she's been playing as well, it was a kind of a groundbreaking tournament for her. She could have made a real name for herself, couldn't she? And she started to. And I think there was definitely a chance for her becoming player of the tournament if she could just hold it together. But... The sending off, honestly, the petulance that that displayed. Like I said in the, the intro, it was kind of almost David Beckham 1998, wasn't it? Re, redone with Diego Simeone and uh, the way she brought the the team down and made them question whether they could get through the final minutes against Nigeria was, was something you just don't do at this level. So she'll learn from it, no doubt. Real shame not to see her. But I think the way England almost had, had to set up by accommodating Kira Walsh back in the team after an injury that turned out to just be a knock in the end. Um, it, it's t- caught us all by surprise and probably caught the England coach by surprise as well because almost tried to get her back in the team too quickly, I think. And the, the, the recipe for the win against China didn't have Walsh in that team and it tended to work quite well. So I didn't know whether she would have stuck with most of that team that played that game, but she got Walsh back in there. It almost kind of changed the dynamic, didn't it, a little bit? Mm. I mean... <sighs> It sounds a bit daft, but I think her decisions have probably been
1: made for her now in that midfield area, especially. I think while well, she's got to play, obviously, in the next game now, Lauren James is not going to be. She's um, not going to be present. Um, yeah. There's going to. Let's not forget, you know, we're not entirely relying on on Lauren James. She's a great player, you know, but she's she's own she's quite new to this England team. She's not very. she's not really been obviously a mainstay for the last few years. Um, a, a very young player um, and. It sounds, but she's actually quite an experience She's really experienced. She's been. She was playing for Man United for for a long time. You know, yeah. this. She's not new on the block. I I just feel like she had to be a bit more clever about it. I, I just I thought it was such a stupid reaction um, that yeah. could really impact on England's tournament. And I just hope it kind of gives England a bit of a, a kick to to go on, and you know. Play like the team that we know that they can play like, and yeah, I feel like we, we need more from the likes of Elatune. Th- you know, we've not seen her at her best in this tournament. She, we know how good she she can be on a day. She's a match winner, so we're definitely going to need a, need a bit more creativity because that's what you know Lauren James gave us. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, where we're kind of just waiting for them to to kick into gear, aren't we? And yeah, that's yeah, just that's something it. that. Nigeria didn't allow them to do. I thought they were so unlucky. You know, They had some really good chances.
0: The plum tree strike was
1: out of this world. She that, played that generally that...
0: brilliantly as well. She was marauding down that side, wasn't she, of the pitch, almost un, unchallenged. And yeah, the, the strike wasn't the only strike she had either as well. She had a couple of shots saved, but the, the one that rattled the crossbar was venomous, wasn't it? It was great.
1: Almost caught it too clean. Oh, like, yeah. it, it was, <laughs> it was uh, just how it came off of her. You know off of the boot, it was it would have been goal of the tournament. I can't, I couldn't see beat beating that to be honest. Yeah, well, she's a free um, agent
0: this summer as well because she's yeah. uh, left Leicester after a contract ran out, so I'm, I'm sure she's put herself in the uh, the shot window after after that performance.
1: A lot of players have got exposure in this tournament, haven't they? Really, True. They probably didn't know a lot about before. Um, obviously, the likes of Casado and who's looks like she's going to be the new star probably in, mm. in, in world football, but um. I do feel like there it is more competitive than what maybe we, maybe we think to be honest because we kind of thought England would probably put a few of these teams to the sword, but it's not been the case. So I think it just no. shows you how how far women's football has come. Definitely, well, you think back time. to
0: the 2019 tournament and the USA thrashed everybody, and the path for those teams like the USA to get to the final, the Netherlands, for example, England as well, was was clear. You could see they were, they were going to get to the semi-final at least. This time around, the European game and the African game has grown so much. And obviously South America as well, as you say, um, all the players from there seem to be improving so well. Nigeria's progress to the knockout stages is, is, is historic, isn't it? So the European teams, I think, especially have, have really kind of kicked on and closed that gap with the USA. The USA were really poor in their defeat to Sweden, mm. and that showed... Japan look fantastic. I think they're probably the favourites at the minute. They've had some really statement performances so far. So Japan, Sweden, England, Germany got knocked out, though, as well. So there's so many favourites falling by the wayside. And Australia, the hosts are through too. So there's probably three or four teams that you can see challenging England. But it's theirs almost to lose, really. depends how well they can raise their game with the team they've got. Because on paper, they've probably got the best squad left in the tournament, right? you think so. I mean, on their day, you'd think they'd be favourites. But, you know,
1: some of the performances we've seen, some... If Japan won it, imagine what it'd
0: do for football that huge yeah.
1: game. that Billions game. That'd be crazy. And well,
0: they've won it before. I think they're the only holders of the tournament that are still in it. The only only previous winners still left in the tournament. So they've got pedigree, yeah. but mm. it's been dominated by the US for so long that's, that yeah, it's opened that's, up
1: that's, now. That's what I mean. It's... It, it's nice to see a few different nations kind of being being amongst it. Um, oh, it's it's hard to say, but even though I'm an England fan, it'd be nice to see <laughs> one of the smaller nations to win it because yeah. it would, you know, it would kind of, uh, it definitely would change things. I feel on the horizon. But let's just hope England can get over the line. But they've they've just enough, really. And they definitely yeah. had luck, luck in this game. They had a lot of luck in this game. But they've been doing; they've been literally doing it by the skin of their teeth, and mm. we just need to see something a bit more, uh, a bit more encouraging from them. Really, I think so. <laughs> a lot
0: of questions to answer, I think. But I mean, they've got a squad and players capable of rotating around if if Feigman feels like she needs to freshen things up. And I think most of them had a pretty good season as well in the WSL. So. They're stepping in in good form and hopefully watching what's not working on the pitch so far and feeling like they could change it. So we'll see what happens in the in the next game, whoever that may be. I think it's is it either Columbia or Jamaica, I think it might be. One of those two, which are both going to be quite difficult teams. So we'll see. Watch this space. But one more thing before we go, Dave. I've not mentioned this team for a while and we haven't in the pod because their activity in the summer has not been massive. But Wrexham started their football football league life with a five three defeat at home at the Racecourse Ground, and it was a bit of a humbling experience for them, wasn't it? So quickly on them, because I know we've got a few followers that are Re- Wrexham fans. Is that a sign of things to come, or do you think it's literally just teams are raising their game to play Wrexham, and they should probably get used to that now? There's definitely a big golfing class in, obviously, the division that they're
1: in. To, obviously, and now they've come up in into the, the division above and MK Dons are actually a, a very good side I don't yeah. think they should worry too much and if, if anything probably be encouraged that they're able to kind of you know create the chances that he did especially obviously score three goals you, you'd expect three goals scoring three goals would be enough to win most, ga- most games most weeks Yeah. Um. so I don't doubt that I, th- I think they'll be comfortable in this division whether they'll have enough to you know, get promoted this year is another thing. They've obviously not made a great deal of signs. I think they just signed James McLean,
0: haven't they? From, Which is from the mega, game. though. For, for, a for very, League Two, He could easily yeah. play in the Championship still. So, yeah, I think in terms of the talent in their squad, especially in their first eleven, it's, it's a ball for League Two. It's just whether they can get used to playing against this opposition really quickly because mm. playing in the National League, they, they walked it, didn't they, last season? So they've got to raise the game week in, week out against teams like MK Dons. Notts County found it difficult as well. You know, they got thrashed too, didn't they? So was it Sutton United they played against them? Um, so yeah, they've they've both found it difficult to acclimatise, but I don't doubt Wrexham will come good. Um I think they've got a lot of talent in the squad and too much to to be affected by this one feat. So watch this space, but interesting one to play out. I think they've got a target on their back almost now, haven't they, just by the nature of the way the clubs run at the minute. So oh, yeah, interesting to keep uh keep an eye on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I, it does feel like everyone wants to beat them at the minute, isn't it? I think that's definitely a motivating definitely. You know, factor for other
0: teams. <laughs> it comes with the territory now, though. They've set themselves up as yeah. FC Hollywood, you know. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Premier League football comes back to us on Friday, Dave, which means the next podcast we do next week, we'll be talking about Premier League football. How are you feeling about that? Manchester United fans both here. Confident? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I stand, to be honest. I we
1: definitely need a, a fit striker. Someone who's yeah. match fit. Um, I think Hoyland is injured. He took a I knock, it's didn't it I don't know whether it. it's I don't know whether it's it's. something quite clever that the club have done. Maybe he's, he's probably not quite up to match fitness and maybe they want to give him a bit of time um, to kind of get up to speed with things and um, kind of fit him. With the team, understand the managers, you know, philosophy and his way of playing. Um, that might be something quite clever because he's very young. That's easy yeah. to forget, um, and there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders because he's probably going to be the main man. Yeah, um,
0: already. Which is- is a lot of pressure isn't it which we mentioned in the pod last week for his price tag as well so interesting to watch play out and uh, please do join us next week as we talk about the first week of the Premier League season and everything that tells us or doesn't tell us Um, and please follow us on socials we are at Football Diary UK pretty much across all channels really and hop over to YouTube if you can that's where we're really trying to grow if you could subscribe there that'd be such a big boost until next week Dave hopefully you'll join me I'll see you then cheers mate